you wouldn't expect that to be because we're thinking about prayer and prayer is our is our breath it's the christian's breath it's the life that gives life to all these other things that we might do so uh quick test who can help us out with reminding us what this year's motto text is Wonderful. I've, I've shortened it so that I can sort of get hold of it. I've shortened it to always pray, be thankful. Okay? And uh, as a way of embedding this motto text and opening up our thinking about what prayer really is, we're doing this short series on some prayers in the Bible and about prayers in the Bible. It's interesting, those two words are spelt the same, but anyway, isn't that? Last week, <clears throat> Andy was reflecting on Abraham's prayer when he was pleasing with God conversationally over Sodom, uh, when really what he actually wanted was for his nephew Lot to be saved. And actually, God answered that unspoken prayer of Abraham. And Andy's encouraging us that if we're going to pray continually, then at least sometimes that needs to be a bit more like breathing, a bit more like conversation, a bit more natural, a bit more like thinking, meditating, cogitating, ruminating. So today we're going to be thinking about Hannah's prayer. Hannah's prayer. And I expect some of you who know your Bibles well think, oh, we're going to be thinking about that prayer that she prayed when she was desperate to be pregnant and it wasn't happening. But we're not going to be thinking about that prayer. We're going to be thinking about the one that she prayed a few years later after Samuel was born. And she was full of thankfulness. And she was allowing that thankfulness and that feeling to grow out of, to, uh, what, what her prayer grew out of that feeling of being thankful. And what we see is that she's mulling over some pretty massive themes. So it's not a conventional prayer. Now, I hope you relate to me in that there are times when I'm with a Christian friend and we are sharing something. That person might be sharing or I might be sharing about something that's difficult. We're in a coffee shop and we're talking. Maybe there's something that we're anxious about or one of us is anxious or worrying about. We're just kind of sharing that together. And because we're doing that as Christians, God is present and one person is listening to the other person and we're thinking about it and perhaps we're offering a little bit of advice or maybe we're uh, bringing a scripture. We're saying, well, the other day I was reading. I wonder if that might be helpful. We're listening. We're listening to someone speaking. And actually, consciously or unconsciously, we're listening to God. And sometimes at the end of that kind of time when you've, you've drunk your coffee and so on, one of you might say, um, shall we pray? And I think, well, that's what we've been doing. Because that is what you're doing. Very often in that situation, 
Because God is there. You're listening. You're sharing him. And sometimes I just want to say at the end of a time like that, well, let's just say amen. Let's just say, God, please will the important things that we've said and the good things and the truthful things rise to the surface of our thinking. And please let the dross just go away. And our, our whole hour has been prayer. Now, I think Hannah's prayer is a bit like that. I hope you might feel that and see the connection. So let's read it. I'm going to start in 1 Samuel chapter 1, just before the prayer to give a little bit of the context. Verse 24. When the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. They brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice and a basket of flour and some wine. After sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. He was the priest. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I am the woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy and he has granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worshipped the Lord there. And then Hannah prayed my heart rejoices in the lord the lord has made me strong now i have an answer for my enemies i rejoice because you rescued me no one is holy like the lord there is no one beside you there is no rock like our god Stop acting so proud and haughty. Don't speak with such arrogance. For the Lord is God who knows what you have done. He will judge your actions. The bow of the mighty is now broken. And those who stumbled are now strong. Those who were well fed are now starving. And those who are starving are now full. And the childless woman has seven children. And the woman with many children pines away. And the Lord gives both death and life or brings down to the grave but raises others up. The Lord makes some poor and others rich and he brings some down and lifts others up. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the rubbish dump. He sets them among princes, placing them in the seats of honour. For all the earth is the Lord's and he has set the world in order. He will protect his faithful ones, but the wicked will disappear in darkness. No one will succeed by strength alone. Those who fight against the Lord will be shattered. He thunders against them from heaven. The Lord judges throughout the earth. He gives power to his king. He increases the strength of his anointed one. Well, Hannah is one of those outstanding women of scripture history. But at the same time, we see her as familiar and relatable. 
because she doesn't hide her vulnerability. And I think her prayer, if you think her prayer sounds familiar, maybe that's because we're not long past Christmas, when we perhaps heard Mary's prayer well over a thousand years later in Luke chapter 2, we commonly call it the Magnificat. And it's very clear that Mary, Mary's prayer was greatly influenced by her predecessor, Hannah. So Luke chapter, no, Luke chapter 1, verse 46. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. This is when Mary, do you remember, goes to visit Elizabeth, her cousin? How my spirit rejoices in God, my saviour. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down the princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. Very clearly, you see the echoes of Hannah's prayer. And here is Mary, a young girl, you might say the opposite to Hannah in some ways. Pregnant when she didn't maybe want to be, maybe didn't, definitely didn't expect to be. The opposite thing, but she's saying the same things and she's giving it that twist. She's, she's employing Hannah's prayer and giving it a whole new meaning. Now, Hannah was a strong, independent woman in a patriarchal society. She was, after all, the uh, one of two wives of her husband. So she's obviously got problems to start with. But she went alone out of, to pour out her agony at not being pregnant and cry to God for a son. She's not cowed by Eli the priest, either at that point or in the passage I've just read to you. He is critical of her, but she explains herself clearly. And his response to her indicates that she is a lady with presence and with clear integrity. She alone, without it would seem any reference to her husband, makes the vow to give her child to God. She decides at what age that will happen. She is the one who prepares Samuel for what his life is going to be. And two of her prayers are recorded. She is a woman of faith. She is also a vulnerable woman who has lived with great emotional and psychological pain and she is willing to admit that and to cry in agony to God over that. So what can we here today learn about prayer from the prayer of this remarkable lady? Well, It opens 
with this blast of praise. You know, you can hear the loud music, can't you? The brass section proclaiming, this is who God is, and this is what he's done for me. So in the NIV, instead of saying he has made me strong, it says my horn is lifted high. That's a poetic metaphor. And the picture you need to get in your head is a mighty stack with the horns raised up. You know, consciousness of power, vigorous courage. This is how... This is how Hannah feels. She feels amazing. She's strong and confident when she comes to this prayer. (coughs) But it's no ego trip. She totally gives the credit to God. And what she says about God shows her deep knowledge of him. There is none beside him. He stands alone above them all the infinite superiority of God but at the same time he is the ultimate rock he is both high above everything and everyone but he is also underneath the rock we should cultivate all of us our willingness to be people of heartfelt praise. At any moment of the day, recognising the awesomeness of God, seeing in big and small ways, maybe mostly small ways, what God is doing in our world, in our hearts, and just allowing a surge of praise to rise to him. That can be continual prayer. Well, after this quite conventional opening to her prayer, it becomes a kind of prophetic poem in which Hannah is thinking aloud ideas about God. She's in God's presence and her heart is deeply immersed in God. She doesn't address God directly for the rest of the prayer. But it's still a kind of prayer. She's not with a friend in a coffee shop. She's not with a friend in a coffee shop like I envisaged earlier on. She's reflecting, exploring. She's kind of making sense of her personal experience of how God has intervened to bring her joy and fulfilment. And then she kind of extrapolates from that deeply personal perspective and she begins to range in her thinking to who God is and how he is working in the whole earth. So her prayer is about how a woman, how she personally longed for a child and eventually became a mother. But it ends up about something much, much bigger much greater. Her prayer kind of explodes. She's no longer just thinking about a personal issue, but she's prophesying about who God is and how he acts in his world. And she begins to see herself and her personal issue with a much wider perspective. 
she sees herself as part of something much bigger than she'd imagined. So, in her prophesying, she, she ranges about. There are proud and arrogant people in the world who seem to be getting things their own way. But God is omnipotent. He is all-knowing and he is just. Wrong will not forever go unpunished. And she raises the pointlessness of asserting human power in the light of who God is. And, and there are inequalities in the world in all kinds of ways. And she's thinking about these. But there's always hope that things will change. God sees and he cares. He lifts people out of bad places. And in the end, the powerful of the earth will not triumph. Because in the end, the earth does belong to God. And he is a God of justice, righteousness and order. Hannah has experienced this personally. And she is believing it for the whole world. The prayer ends with the enigma of Hannah declaring a God of absolute power who will give power to a king, an anointed one. Now this is truly prophetic. Her son Samuel, when he's an older man, will anoint both Saul as the first king of Israel and also David, God's chosen king. But there is also a reaching forward to King David's greater son, to Jesus, the Christ, who Mary is singing about and who taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And whenever we pray that, in those exact words or something like it, whenever we reach out about God's kingdom, we are joining in Hannah's prayer that God's reign of justice, truth and righteousness will be a reality in our world. Hannah had a taste of God intervening and putting right what was wrong in her own experience. Now she is reaching out for that in the whole world. And we're still doing that. There is a now and not yet element to this. We are people of faith in a good God. We experience his goodness in ways in our lives but we pray for his kingdom to come more fully in our world. Last week, I was with a friend, a group of friends, three, three other people, we were playing mahjong, and our conversation got to the point where one person said, all I can see in this world is chaos. 
There is no order. The world is random. It has no meaning. This is the lovely lady who's not depressed. She's just expressing, she was just expressing that that is all she can see in the world. And I was able to express, other people were saying different things, and I was able to say, I do believe there's a good God at work for good, and who will in the end bring justice and order. And the God I'm looking to is one who came down into our suffering. She said she wished she could see anything of that, but she can't. Well, there are many times within our church and general Christian community, within our families and our friendship groups, when we're just sharing, we're just talking and sharing personal and wider issues. If we are people of faith, we should be speaking and thinking, maybe I should say thinking and speaking, out of a continuous sense of the presence of an all-powerful God. A God of righteousness, justice and order. And then our thinking and speaking, I believe, will be prayer. It will be communication with God as we listen to his voice and speak what we sense he's saying and what his will is. This will be more like praying continually. It will be using Hannah as our model. And when we allow our thinking about personal issues to be informed by the wider perspective of God's plan and purpose for the whole world, well, that brings personal issues into a healthier place. It makes us stronger. It makes us more connected. It makes us less alone. Because, and we can proclaim this with Hannah, there is no rock like our God. Let's do it. There is no rock like our God. Amen.